0: to the latest episode of Sharing the Magic Podcast, the show where we give you insightful interviews and some outstanding guests. Tonight is no exception. We have a voiceover talent who is a Disney fanatic, and we'll meet him in a moment. But first, I am your host, your ghost host, Barry, and let's say hello to a ragtag bunch of (laughs) co-hosts. And we'll start off tonight with the Goofy Doof himself. (laughs) Jeff, Jeff, how are we doing?
1: Well, you call me the Goofy Doof it's goofy <laughs> dupe
0: No, nope, i feel like you're a <laughs> <laughs> goofy,
1: goofy dupe goofy. because okay so i'm a huge fan of bill farmer's goofy i just study him and studied him and study him um my great great I, I'll, I'll just spill the beans down my great 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 i guess cousin was pat Buttram. label sheriff not absolutely AM. Yeah. So I, as a kid, I was just so fascinated with voices and voice acting because that was just a name that was in my family. So every cartoon I had to know who's that voice that who, and then who's that? Oh, I, I could hear that voice. And that voice is doing that voice and that voice. And um. so, you know, I grew up doing Pat Butram. Well, Bill Farmer is a huge Pat Butram fan. And then one day I just sort of discovered it went from well, the down here, low George. Hey, everybody! It's your old pal Goofy. So, I'm gonna welcome you for our very special guest. Sometimes, as the Goofy dupe, because I'm I'm a car, I'm a I'm a cheap, cheap emphasis on cheap <laughs> copy of Bill. Um, <laughs> here we go. Here's here's for you, Brian. George, howdy there, folks. It's me, your old pal Goofy. Well, I'm here to introduce you well, our well, our new friend. Ryan summer. Play fast something. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, oh.
2: Pretty gosh darn good. <laughs> Thank you, Brian.
1: means a lot. That's high praise. Very high praise. <laughs> Thank you. All
0: happy. right. Happy, happy next to up, put to brain. Next up, we have, uh, she is rebel scum and proud. Tara, Tara, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> hey,
3: everyone. I'm doing, great. I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here tonight.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And Tara right. what voice will you be doing for us?
1: <laughs> Whatever voice you want me to do. That should be a pre-rick. Everyone, yeah. Brian's just going to call on all of us and be like, "You, Pooh Bear, you, right. uh, you know, Bugs Bunny and you,
3: yeah. you know, you will have a you, lot of people turning bear. off the podcast. <laughs> you, Richard Nixon. So <laughs> funny.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. And we have everyone's favorite Disney dad, Matt. Matt, how you doing tonight?
3: I'm doing great, Barry. I'm glad to be here with everyone and to get the chance to talk with our guest.
0: Absolutely. And last but not least, the real Lady Divine, Lindsay. Lindsay, how are we doing? Friends, I'm doing great tonight. Cannot wait to interview Brian. All right. Our guest tonight has done voiceovers in such games as Halo Infinite, The Elder Scrolls Online, and Hearthstone Heroes of Warcraft. And in the movie, The Addams Family, too. In addition to voicing characters, he has also been the announcer for events at the Disneyland Hotel, the Walt Disney Family Museum, and the Anaheim Halloween Parade. So everyone, let's give it up for our guest tonight, Brian Summer. Brian, how you doing? All right, Brian. Quite well,
2: everyone. Thank you very much for the invitation. Very kind yeah. of you, glad to we be are, here.
0: We are honored. We're Excellent. so happy. So Brian, let's just jump right into it. Let's do it. Let's, uh, let's hear about how you, uh, began in the voice uh, over acting area.
2: Would you believe that it all started at Disneyland?
0: Ooh.
2: Yeah. Uh, so I'm a Northern California guy, uh, and every summer uh, my family, when I was a kid, would make the trek south uh, to visit Disneyland. Um, Disneyland is, uh, needless to say, a very fertile playground for an active imagination. Uh, it is not only entertaining, but it's also very inspirational as well. So while everyone was looking at all of the amazing details, I was the guy that was listening. So people like Paul Freese, uh quickly became uh, inspiration for me. Uh, it was just, uh, especially like uh, Adventure Through Inner Space, because that Attraction, although it was fantastic, it wasn't really special effect quote unquote heavy. Uh, You were usually in the dark in your Omnimover and Paul Freeze's voice was there right in your ear. And he really brought that show to life, at least for me. So this of course is all before the internet. Yes, there was a time before the internet. (laughs) So getting information about this kind of stuff wasn't necessarily easy. Um, But eventually I uh, got some training uh, at a place called Voice Tracks in San Francisco uh, where I now teach Circle of Life Um, and uh, was picked up by an agency in San Francisco and then an agency in the Los Angeles and it's off to the races
0: so what what about paul Fries? i mean you know a lot of, a lot of he he's done a lot for uh for disney so what what brought you into saying oh this is this is something i want to do
2: well first of all just mad respect for paul and his talents uh number one if you are the voice of the ghost host at disneyland's haunted mansion and <laughs> you are the voice of the pillsbury doughboy that is what we call range Right, oh. so bravo. Uh, I had the opportunity to sit down with Exotencio once and chat, and uh, Paul came up, and X X tells me, let me describe a one-hour recording session with Paul Freeze. The first thirty <laughs> minutes is Paul telling you how amazing he is, and the second <laughs> half hour is him proving it. Oh wow! Right? So Paul was not short on, uh, you know, promoting himself, to be sure. <laughs> uh, he would let you know that he was the best. Uh, and then he'd go and he'd prove it in the second half. Hour. So infuriating when people think <laughs> gloat and then prove it. You know, it's like because right. it's not bragging cute. if it's true. Right. Yeah. So there you have it. But he just had such presence, uh, his natural voice, you know, a lot of people you know if you you do a, a piece of work uh and then your friends listen to it people that aren't in the industry necessarily and they will say very honestly uh they will say gosh i couldn't even tell it was you yeah right which is wonderful to hear yes, but yeah. that's not necessarily our job to be a vocal chameleon so right. with paul no matter what character he was doing because his natural voice was so unique Mm -hmm. I could always tell it was Paul doing the voice whether he's doing the the ghost host or whether he's doing uh Ludwig von Drake you can still hear the base of Paul's voice now to his credit he made each one of those characters completely different because of their personality because of the acting Yes. So it's voice in small letters, acting, acting. in big letters.
1: That's Dawes Butler right there, isn't it? Yes.
2: Yeah, <laughs>
1: because I know that because Bill, he, he taught Bill Farmer and Bill Farmer says that all it's not voice acting is voice acting. Right. And it's Absolutely. just, it's so true. It's so true.
2: One of his mantras. Uh, and for those that may not know, we're talking about Dawes Butler, who, uh, you know, I'm sure all of your listeners know the name Mel Blank, Mm -hmm. but they may not know Dawes Butler. Dawes was Mel's contemporary. Um, Mel worked at Warner Brothers. Dawes worked at uh, Hanna-Barbera, along with other places. Uh, um, Yogi Bear, Snagglepuss, Pixie and Dixie. He was the original voice of Captain Crunch. That was my favorite, yep. Yada, 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 yada. One of his great mantras, and he's actually kind of the person who developed voiceover classes, you know, Los Angeles, you can't, you know, fire a cannon down the street without hitting an acting school. Right. Uh, But voice acting schools back during that time were not necessarily well established. So Dawes started kind of this little workshop in his backyard uh, outbuilding and taught some of the, the most talented folks in the business. Yeah. Um, and one of his great mantras was these are not voices, these are characters. Yes. Yeah. And that is the basis for it. You just gotta keep that in your head anytime you get behind the microphone yeah, when you're doing like, character.
1: It's like getting out of your own way. You know, because I right. and I, I know these are semantics, but for me, I don't I'm I'm an amateur, but but I, I think of things that t- when people say, Oh, that's a very good impression. There's always something that feels like that I'm that's not that's not what I want. You know, and I know, you know, an impression is like, okay, well, you can, again, these are semantics, but I, I, I tend to think of things uh, in the terms of, well, I don't want to be an impression. I want to be the character. And part of that being that character is getting out of my own way and letting that character sort of channel through myself. And there's recording sessions I've had, and sometimes I have to cut them off in 10 or 15 minutes because too much of Jeff is coming out, and I'm and I just have to say, you know what? Let me hear it back. I go nope. I I I can hear yeah. where I'm getting in my own way. So I, yeah. I think I think that you're what you just said is absolutely
2: right. You're absolutely correct, and that's kind of the litmus test. Uh, a lot of students will come in, you know, fresh uh, uh, without any training, and what brings them there is a somebody said I had a nice voice, mm-hmm. right? And B, I do a great impersonation of fill in the blank. Right. But what we'll do is say, okay, go ahead. Give me some of Bart Simpson. Okay. Aye, karamba, eat my shorts, blah, blah, blah. All of the great catchphrases. And then you hand them the newspaper, which is another antiquated piece of equipment, the newspaper. Right. (laughs) And you say, would you please read the headlines and the story as Bart? i love that and it's not as yeah. easy for them because what they're doing is they're mimicking the sounds that they've heard already they haven't yeah. become the character become, as you yes. say yeah absolutely.
1: and i think somebody else said it this way same thing just slightly different maybe it's like anyone not not anyone but i think the quote was anyone could do porky pig you know but can <laughs> you be porky pig singing the national anthem
2: yeah don't now tell that's bob, yeah don't tell bob bergen that <laughs> <laughs> don't ever walk up to bob Berger and say anybody can do parking pay. no and they can't
1: they can't so that's why i think <laughs> that you know at some point yeah. it breaks down but 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 i agree with you 100 percent it's it's you know that's been sort of my journey is you know okay well i grew up as a kid doing voices sure but you know really just falling in love with one character one character that's it yeah like i don't need to know i have a very limited range in my voice acting but it's goofy you-
2: but you got to start someplace, well, right? Yeah. yeah, and I
1: and it's been a wonderful vehicle to go that deeply and that passionately into a character, and to say, well, how can I get a millimeter better? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's where you start thinking not what would Goofy say, but but what would Goofy feel? Yeah. What would Goofy, oh, yeah. uh, you know? even in these new situations, how would Goofy respond? What would the, not only the cadence be, but the, but the heart of the emotion and all that good stuff. And I think, I uh, I'm That's why I'm a big fan of. I've Completely. I've watched yeah. a few of your interviews, and and you just you oh, have so I'm many so good sorry. things to say because you all no <laughs> no 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 you have so great Brian's things to say. Were you
2: forced to do? It? Were the police no, trying to get information because... out of you? No, oh, stop, stop. No, <laughs> so Brian,
3: I... I'm wondering. Jeff is talking. You know, we all know Jeff as the goofy dupe, and that's the character and the voice that he has. Like, it means a lot to him. That's his yeah. kind of thing. Is that you've done so much? Like, I was looking through all the video games and the voiceovers that you've done is that, do you have a character that you just had that same kind of connection with, or is it more just the love of doing voices?
2: Uh, I like to say bad guys bought my house. Okay. <laughs>
0: so <laughs> yeah. the
2: villains are what kind of made my career. Uh, I just love them. Uh, there are no better villains than Disney villains. Yeah. Uh, they just do them so well. And I guess that's why I kind of got drawn toward them but if they are tying someone to a railroad track or trying to blow up a planet, I want that job. That's awesome. Yeah. Did you ever have, I call
1: this an anchor voice. So here's my, another kind of spiel I have is, you know, for me, it was the, you know, it was Pat Buttram. So you start, you Mm kind of go, okay, I have a range. I have a sort of, this is unbelievable to this extent. I'll never be, maybe I won't ever be this character or this character, but I sort of can hit this range. And for me, Pat Buttram was sort of my anchor voice and it sort of built on that anchor and sort of kind of expanding that range. Did you ever have like one character? Who's your first character that you thought, oh my goodness, I'm pretty good at this. And it could have been even just a made up character yeah. anything, you know? Yeah,
2: most of, I I really don't do a lot of impersonations necessarily uh, because the ones that I do well are so obscure. No one would ever need them. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's like james mason right james yeah. mason the captain of the nautilus right that's good it's though like, that's so good. Like, who, who's gonna book that right there's no need sure, for I'd, that. Book that. I'd book uh, that and peter lori and you know all these weird obscure voices so with with all voice actors, we only have like a handful of tones, right? Yeah. So we can go really high and silly. Or we can go really deep and scary. And everything in between as far as your vocal range goes. Right. But then as the character is presented to you in usually audition form, Then you start adding things to that based on their background, based on their personality, based on their physical size, uh, any vocal affectations that may be caused by anatomical things. Mm -hmm. And you just start layering these things on. So as far as bass voices, I've only got a handful of them, but then you build off of that to make new characters.
1: Right. That's that's profound. I yeah. think that's profound. And it's profound because I think there's a lot of, I think in the world of voice acting, there's a lot of people that want to, you know, there's not a lot of creativity. And I say that very humbly because I think there's just a lot of people that say, okay, I want to be a match. I want to be the match for this person, match sure. for that person. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of those iconic voices started out discovering their own vocal tonalities and and developing and they became they kind of became these these iconic voices and then a lot of other people just started impersonating them and so I I I think that's wonderful that you you went that that route in that direction where you sort of you know you kind of went within instead of just trying to be a copy of something from without Um,
2: it it has been said that there are no new voices they are just a variation on something that has been done before so uh and this is kind of a controversial one actually foghorn leghorn from warner brothers right <laughs> mel blank fantastic job son the stutter the stutter the stutter yeah guess what that wasn't an original voice that was done by kenny delmar i, I think, think kenny delmar on the old fred allen show and it was a character called Senator Claghorn. <laughs> that makes sense. Right? Wow. So, you know, if you ask Mel, he says, well, I'm not 100% sure who did it first, and da da da, and nobody yeah. really knows. Right. But it's always going to be a variation on something else. Yeah. But it's it's important to know and just for me from a respect standpoint, to know, you know, these people and know what they did right. and know the gigantic shoes that I have to fill right. every day when I walk into a studio.
1: I've heard sometimes that your failed impressions can are just a whole new character. I'm sort of a believer in that. I don't know what you think about it. but There
2: is actually a great exercise for students called bad celebrity impersonation. (laughs) And what it is, is you give them, say, okay, you know, give me your best fill in the blank. And while they may not be able to do that, what it's doing is it's forcing them to use placements. Yeah. So when we're talking about placements, we're talking about the chest. We're talking about the eyes. We're talking about the top of the head. Yeah. So so you are figuring out different physical locations for the voice to try and get it to sound like so on and so forth. Right. It's not going to sound like that person. Probably not. But what you have done is you have developed a new kind of bass voice. And my wife hates my impression sometimes
1: because sometimes (laughs) they're bad. I'll do like a Christopher Walken and you know, whatever it is. And she's like, why do you sound like John Travolta? And I'm like, (laughs) Really? I do? Is it really? Hmm. Can I go with that character? Nah, probably not. I'll just I'll I'll keep that one under the mattress, you know.
2: So <laughs> uh, a good friend of mine, he will come up, you know, he'll he'll call me or or do something or try and impersonate somebody. And my patent answer is, well, that's really interesting, but I didn't know he was from Cuba.
0: <laughs>
1: right? No matter
2: what the voice is. Yeah. You know, and it just pisses him off every oh, single I know. time. So it's you so know. much fun. Yeah. <laughs> I love it
0: so brian uh let me ask you i mean you mentioned the the disney villains and um you know some of them in the animated uh movie that they're in i mean most of most of the actors uh use their natural voices when they're doing it you know uh one comes to mind be like gilbert godfrey who uh, was iago and like pat carroll who was ursula do a lot of a lot of these movies, do they look for just the natural voices, or do they have to work on a certain tone or a certain range that they have to have?
2: Yeah, it's, it's always going to be about what voice serves the character best, what voice brings this character to life. So yes, Gilbert Godfrey, very unique voice, but he's definitely pushing it as well. If you walked into Gilbert Godfrey's house one day, uh, first of all, he'd call the police, but secondly, you probably would not hear the Gilbert Godfrey that you know. So it it's uh-huh. it's 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 a bit of a put on. Even Pat Carroll, you know, she's right. putting it on. She's she's giving that theatrical delivery. So yeah, there are certain projects, and it really depends on kind of the genre of the project. Are they going for uber realism? Are they going for something that's much more unique and 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 sort of uh, avant garde? Are they going for a classic Saturday morning cartoon where they want it to be big and broad? So it really depends on the project and the way that production wants to go with it as to what they're looking for. Mm. And that's the important thing to figure out as someone who is auditioning for the role. You need to delve into what is the project? What is the, the style that they're looking for? Mm. So it's definitely an important, but you know, uh, again, it's when we're talking about voices, quote unquote, again it's not that second on the list it's always going to be the acting you take somebody like h john benjamin right who gets a weekly dump truck full of cash driven up to his house and they just dump it on the porch and then he sorts it out later because he has a very unique voice so he he voices carl the uh, 7-eleven uh clerk on family guy he voices Archer, the, oh, the lead yeah. character on oh, yeah. Archer, oh, yeah. and he voices oh, yeah. Bob very, from Bob's Burgers. A very right
1: kind of nasally voice. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, the thing is,
2: nasal. is if you if if we blindfolded you and you listen to those three shows, they sound exactly the same. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. How well H. John Benjamin, being a great actor, makes those uh, characters different. Right. through the delivery and through their personality. But he even made fun of it. I think it was on one of the Family Guy episodes. Uh, they were having a talent show and right. Carl gets up there and he goes, hey, everybody, I do voices, you know, hey, you know, that guy, Archer. <laughs> yeah, here. Hi, I'm Archer. How you doing? <laughs> All right, that's pretty cool. huh? Yeah. Okay. You guys, you guys know that guy, Bob from Bob's Burgers? Hi, yeah. I'm Bob from Bob's Burgers. And he doesn't <laughs> change his voice. No. once. <laughs> right, so, And people like Patrick Warburton. Yeah. Same kind uh, cool. of a thing. He definitely Absolutely. has that that unique sound, that iconic sound, mm-hmm. but his delivery changes a little bit depending okay. on the personality yeah. of the character. Or it just so, gets
1: exaggerated sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So
2: again, being a vocal chameleon like Billy West who mm-hmm. can sound like anything for God's sake. Oh, I know. Uh that's not necessarily a prerequisite to getting into the job. It right. is. Do you have a unique natural voice great? Now can you act? Great. Come on over. So again, depending on the project, what they're looking for, there's going to be different types of voice actors. There's the vocal chameleons, there's the people that just have a unique voice that they use just that and everything in between.
1: So I I have two questions. So well, I don't have to have one question. So we have a mutual, you know, love, Paul Winchell, who I just Mm -hmm. think who's the original Tigger, and for me, you know, the gummy bears and and I his voice, and his, I love Jim Cummings, don't get me wrong, but Paul Winchell was in a time, and I don't know if maybe just over the decades, maybe as humans, our voices have just shifted a little bit and changed, but there was this uniqueness to his voice that, that I only hear nowadays Yeah, in people in their 80s and their 90s, and, and I call it you know, I thought maybe at first it was because they were, like, doing voice acting inside a tin can. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think it's kind of, I call it a tinny voice. Uh-huh. But that's not true. The, the truth is they they had that already in them. And I hear every once in a while somebody, and I go, oh, that sounds a little bit, oh. Like Paul Winchell, I look around as somebody in their 80s or their 90s. But you could mm-hmm. tell from a young age they had that sort of maybe... You know, I, I don't know what it is. The other is Sterling Holloway, Pooh Bear, sure. Rachel Pooh Bear, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah. And as much as I love Jim Cummings, he just had this sort of, I don't know if it was his cadence, but it was sort of this this tinny, oh, bother, well, I do believe that I am a, I'm a little black rain cloud, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. But there was this like, oh, there's this tinny, I don't know how else to explain it. I guess my question is, do you think our voices just as people have sort of shifted and changed over the years? Or do you think people are still sort of, is it the same voices? Or do you think just in the population in general, is there, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, it's a it's I've a good that.
2: observation. And there's a, a couple of different factors, I think, that probably uh, would cause that. Number one, you were talking about, you know, acting in a tin can yeah Uh, so if you go back to like uh, the 20s if you listen to radio shows especially announcers right they generally have a very pinched and constricted sound to them because they're coming to you live from atop uh, (laughs) the sunset room and blah 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 right yeah that's good the reason that was done that person didn't necessarily speak that way naturally but because of the hardware yeah being used at the time the types of microphones and the other things down the line gotcha that type of voice was picked up better than this type of voice which would have gone into the 40s and 50s yeah so as the equipment evolved so did the voices Ah. now that being said naturally uh you know anatomically are our voices changing yeah i think they are Mm -hmm specifically, with focus on accents and regional accents. Not all that long ago, yeah. you were born, you lived and worked and you died within 10 blocks of your house, right? Right. right. So we had these fantastic small knit communities that had their own particular dialects. Then as we got mass transportation and everything, everybody started, you know, spreading out and things like that. So if you think about it, you really don't hear accents as thick as they used to be. Right. Uh, a southern accent, an East Coast accent, uh, a New England accent, transatlantic. That was yeah. that pinchiness, well, right? Yeah. That was our that was our made up thing to, <laughs> to make the rich more rich oh, yeah. than the poor. Well. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it wasn't quite American and it wasn't quite no, English, well. <laughs> so they called it mid-Atlantic. Mid-Atlantic yep. Yeah, yep. right. And that was taught and it was taught to the, the announcers and everything else. So, yeah. again, it had that formality to it. So, that's another thing about the voices, how we speak to each other. We've become a much more casual society. Yeah. So, our speech patterns started to get a little mumbo, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, you know, so you're not necessarily able no. to hear as well, <laughs> us old folks going,
1: Where is <laughs> That's really great. Thank you for that. Um, Certainly. Let's go to Tara. So, um, you know, like, you've worked on
3: some of my favorite games, uh, Assassin's Creed. Oh, cool. Um, what was I going to say, Gears of War, Diablo? But I really love, you know, the Halo series, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I see that you've worked on that as well.
2: Yep. Yeah.
1: And um, I just wanted to know what um, game did
2: what character were you most proud of portraying, and did you have the most fun acting as it, it's? they're all fantastic you know they're so much fun any day going into the studio is just a gay, a day at the, the the candy factory for goodness sakes for me um but just recently so there's there's like recent favorites and the fact that you mentioned uh halo um, okay so
3: my husband i told him that you you know who you voiced in that and he totally geeked out he geeked out and we watched videos
1: on the scene <laughs> so i just it's right. awesome to talk to you about that.
2: <laughs> so uh Commander Tremonius, uh one of the banished, the brutes, uh the big hulking guy. Um
1: What 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 did he sound like? I don't I don't I've never I've never I'm, I'm, to I'm totally baiting uh, you right now. <laughs>
2: um, <laughs> the Master Chief lives, are you not <laughs> angered? That's good. Something like that. I probably misquoted I him, and all of the halo fans <laughs> no, are writing no, no. Me emails right now you got the <laughs> line wrong uh, which i do quite often um but the thing that while we were doing uh, while we were rec- recording that character uh quite often i had to say the word spartan and i discovered that tremonius's voice and tremonius's uh delivery was perfect for saying the word Spartan with the utmost disdain, right? Because he would kind of spit it out, Spartan, right? It was just so much fun. It was like halfway through the session, they go, it's just fun to say Spartan as Tremonious because, you know, he's just a hot-headed guy to begin with. And the people (laughs) who played the game know that, well, he wasn't long for this earth. or he he wasn't. So he just he he uh, he um, what do they say? It's better to burn out than to fade away. And that was tremonious. So. I'd rather be ashes than dust. Yeah, yeah, precisely. <laughs> but again, anybody that is trying to take over the universe, anybody that, you know, is tying helpless damsels to railroad tracks. And then the the big, loud, braggadocious idiots are so much fun uh you know the guys who think they're they know what they're doing but they have no clue what they're doing (laughs) those are always fun too because they get all the the bad guys get the best lines right yeah if it wasn't for the bad guys disney movies would be humans and animals skipping and dancing in the forest and that's pretty boring
1: (laughs) (laughs) no one wants to see that
2: <laughs> I'm going to remember so
3: that. Brian Tara is bringing up a, a bunch of video games and the ones you mentioned I love and the Elder Scrolls Online, but you did two that I absolutely love that I feel like they're different from most other video games. You were in the Walking Dead Telltale series. Yeah. And in The Wolf Among Us. Right. I, I lumped them together because, you know, same type of, of game. And those ones are, to me, they're a little bit more story based. Right, rather than these big action things like Halo and and Elder Scrolls, do you approach those differently? Do you enjoy one more over the other? Like what's your your input on that? Yeah,
2: hundred percent as far as approaching them because it's it's a much different acting style. So Tremonius, big and broad, and you know, he he's almost like a Sunday morning cartoon character. He's just big and and yelly and and has very high blood pressure. But games like Uh, The Walking Dead and Wolf Among Us, which were done by Telltale. Uh, The Walking Dead was one of the first games that had that uh, multiple choice uh, kind of a um, um, programming to it. So just as a side note, that's always great news for a voice actor because every scene had like 14 different options. (laughs) So that means more lines, more time in the studio, cha-ching. So, Those are 100% reality-based. If they hear you acting at all, you're Mm -hmm. not going to get that job. So for a broad character actor like myself, I really had to tone it down. Uh, The good news is is that the first character that I did for Walking Dead was um, Danny St. John. Yeah. Yeah, one of the guys that turned out, well, I think... I think we can give spoilers. The game's been
3: yeah out at probably. this point with that. Game. <laughs> been out
2: for a while. Yeah. yeah, you've had your chance, people. Yeah. Come on, let's go. you're in the middle of a zombie apocalypse, and <laughs> you come across a family that you think's gonna gonna help you, and they turn out to be cannibals. cannibals. It's like <laughs> come on, people. Yeah. So he was a little bit, you know, off the track. So I was able to play him a little bit more, you know, here and there. Uh, it it's funny. I hadn't thought about him in forever and now I just a story came to mind. Uh, He was the Goldilocks character. We actually recorded him three times. So they brought us in and we recorded it. And then they said, you know what, I don't think he's quite menacing enough. So let's come back in and let's, you know, give him a little vocal affectation, a little bit of a stutter, some breathing and things like that. Yeah. And then we did that. Uh, and then it was like, yeah, I think we went too far. So come back in again and we'll split the difference. And we got him just right in the Goldilocks <laughs> zone there. Yeah, that's um, and then uh, Uncle Pete was in the second season. season. Yep. Uh, and he was actually... Although he was kind of a hard ass, he was, you know, he ultimately turned out to be a hero. So that was completely foreign for me uh, <laughs> to be a good guy. So I really had to, to play with that one as well. And then uh, Colin, the pig, yeah. uh, you'll notice that there's kind of a, a theme to it. If I'm in a very a reality uh, uh, realistic game, I'm always playing the second banana. You Know or always, it's always, you know, the smart ass pig that, that, that has a <laughs> uh, you know, so Colin was great. We just, you know, put on that. He had a great line, uh, oh, it's its kind of got a swear word in it, so I don't want to, I don't want to do it on the show. Oh, never mind. We, we, we can beep it out. Now nah, we're was, good. Uh, Come on, we got he it. He says, uh, I'm, uh, I'm practically the president of the Big Beat. Don't be such a dick, fan club, or something <laughs> yeah. like that. It's, that. Just, it's those That's kind good. of lines. It's like, yeah. yeah,
0: please let me play that character.
2: I know, right? Yeah. right.
3: That's great. Yeah. Those are great games. Anybody that hasn't played them, they're it's amazing, and they're based off of they're both both based off of comic books, and of course, mm-hmm. Walking Dead has the big TV series and stuff. Do, are you a fan of that? Like when you get a job, like with Walking Dead or Wolf Monks have you? Were you a fan before at all? Did you know of them? Did you kind of look into them after you kind of went for it and got the part? How, how where does your fandom kind of fall into all of this?
2: Or do you go in with fresh eyes?
3: You right. know, yeah, whatever it, it is, it's
2: it's important to stay abreast of what's new and what's trending and things like that. But when you get the audition, you don't just run right into the recording space yeah. and lay it down, especially if it's something like that coming from a very uh, um, fan-based uh, source material. Yeah. So yes, you definitely do your research first. Yeah, right. Take a look at it and go, wow, this is dark. This is real. <laughs> this is not cartoony. This is not yeah. this. This is yeah. this instead. And it flavors the audition. Absolutely. So you definitely need to do your uh, homework. Cool.
1: So All right. So uh, Tara and Matt got it. So we're, we'll go to Lindsay in a second. But I Okay, here's my question, because it ties so neatly into what Tara and Matt uh, was talking about. And and my question was, of all the voices, I, I you've done so many, you've done, I, I thought I read up to 300 or something. Uh, Canada, video
2: games, it's probably hovering around 200 and something or other, I would that's say. Amount. That's
1: still a massive amount. Okay, has there ever been a voice or two that's ever taught you Maybe something about life or voice what, in other words, what, what voices have you done that have made you grow maybe in your artistry or just as a person the
2: most? We're getting extremely philosophical. Oh, that's me. That's my if I can do this. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Maybe maybe the question is just what character has been the hardest for you? You know, that might might be the question.
2: You know, again, I love the bad guys, but they all have to die at the end of the film or at the end of the game or something like that. And that's the way it needs to be. Right. Uh, And I have no problem with that. So it's yeah, I'm pouring it on. Being as nasty as I possibly can. I mean, Danny St. John had some really disturbing lines. Yeah. Uh, You know, so you get out of the studio and you go, I need a shower. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's, Uh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, Definitely. Boy, there was, uh, what was the name of it? Um, It was a Sega game very early in my career. Uh, Fantasy Star Universe uh and there and i voiced the android his name was renvolt magashi uh and it was it, it was a dubbed game so it, it was originally produced in japan came over to the united states and we had to obviously uh, lay down the lines in english um but a great character because he was slowly going insane Oh. uh so an android that's kind of slowly going insane very a la you know hal 9000 yeah. oh douglas <laughs> rain probably one of my top three voiceover nope. performances nobody did that better no he was so good agreed but he was fun just from a character standpoint just the the people that you would not want to invite over to your house are the people that i enjoy voicing the most uh Manuel samuel a great you know, indie game, uh, from a group called, uh, perfectly paranormal. Um, and I've worked on a couple of their games because they are just a delight to work with. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the narrator in Samuel, just a complete jerk. Uh, but so fun because he's very uppity, very British, very proper, very, uh, judgmental. Yeah, Uh, it's, it's fun because you get to do the things in the studio that you're not allowed to do (laughs) when you leave the studio, right? Yeah. If I did half of those things uh, that I do in the studio, I wouldn't be here tonight because I'd be in a penitentiary somewhere.
1: (laughs) I loved when you said, and I think this is this is a kind of a, a great nugget of wisdom for, I don't know, other voice actors that are listening right now, or even myself. If you do a voice and you need to go home and take a shower, yeah, it's part of the process. Don't worry, you're in good company. Right. That happens sometimes. And I've never heard that before. So I like I like that.
2: Yeah. The folks that aren't, you know, my friends that aren't in the industry, you know, all say, Wow, you know, it was it was a pretty brutal session today. Go, you're just talking behind your microphone. (laughs) Because all my friends sound like that. Um (laughs) but if you are doing a walking dead if you're doing a, a halo a very heavy action mm-hmm. sort of a thing and you don't leave a 4 hour union session going oh, mm-hmm. you you didn't give a full performance right right 100% yeah yeah well said
1: all right uh lindsay
2: lindsay you have uh got a question you want to finally lindsay i know we've been, been waiting all night question.
0: lindsay <laughs> it's going Hello? to be yeah. stellar so i have a question what advice would you give to an inspiring voice over actor
2: don't get in the business next question oh no no come on oh, oh wait, wait I, I, I would say if you're anywhere in my <laughs> vocal print don't get into the business otherwise yeah come on in Everything's... Uh, yeah, I don't
1: want no competition <laughs> a
2: get training Yeah. B, it's voice acting, get acting training uh, and understand that it is acting in big letters, uh, voice in small letters. Very important because our job is to bring vocal life to the character, not just a voice, the actual life of the character. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So understanding what you are interested in getting into, I think is the first step and then seek out good professional training for it. Uh, it's it's Brian, Brian.
1: You're a coach. Would you like to talk more about that? Is there? Sure. I'd love to yeah, hear I, about your process. And what I do you do.
2: teach? Uh, I teach at Voice Tracks, where I was actually a student uh, years ago, and uh, with the GVAA, the Global Voice Acting Academy, which is online, uh, and then I have private uh, coaching uh, for uh, working pros who will get like an audition. So we'll get online and we'll work through the audition, but. I specialize, uh, I guess you could say in the audition performance, because quite frankly, you know, even before when we were all staying at home, the one thing that we were doing on our own was auditioning. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I came from like the last generation of voice actors who actually went into their agent's office or to a casting office and we auditioned live in front of people. And then four or five years later, uh, we started doing everything from home. So to get the job, first, you need to book it, right? So you've got to give them that great audition. But there is no director there to give you directions. There's no feedback. You're doing it all on your own. So it's all Mm self-direction. And generally, our performance style is going to be slightly different auditioning than it will be when we actually get to the session. Because especially if you haven't worked with this particular production team before, you need to show them what your range is. So if the character is the grumpy old neighbor and you've got four lines and line one sounds like this and line two sounds like this and line three sounds like this and so on and so forth. You've just told them, this is all I can do. Right. So instead, Line one sounds like this. Line one two sounds like this. You know, uh, just something to show the range. No matter what type of character you're auditioning for, if it's for a TV series, sometime during that you know that 13-week run or whatever it is, that character is gonna you know be unhappy. That character is gonna be sad. That character is gonna be happy. That character is gonna be angry. So let's show production that we can do all of those things so Mm. the auditions are going to be a little bit broader i would say but that's done by design to show them yes i can Mm. so if you only go to six on the meter they don't know if you can do seven eight nine and ten if you go to ten they know that you can do everything in between it's really
1: good it's really great advice what do you think about nowadays and voice acting and community because i found Uh, as an amateur, I'm always looking for, I do amateur projects all the time. I'll be a a voice match for Goofy or, and there's, I, I fan, I find there's just, just a a host of talent that's out there. And I feel as if, you know, there's a lot of whether or not, you know, you ever, you know, I may, or other people out there may never get to do a video game or a, or a, a cartoon, but by golly, it is so much fun. (laughs) <laughs> just to just to share your love and your passion and your sure. talent with others. And what I've found is, you know, there's there's places and things you can do out there to connect with other voice actors that are just wonderful to work with and amazing talent. And my goodness. And do you, um, you know, for those voice actors who might be listening, who maybe their aspirations isn't to be the next Donald Duck or the next. You know, Yogi Bear, or or even maybe they don't even wouldn't even want to voice two hundred plus voices in the world of animation and video games and all that. But maybe they just want to connect with other voices and and just to be part of this wonderful community. Do you have any advice or places that they could go for such a thing, such community?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, within all of your lifespans, uh, voice acting has really kind of come into its own, uh, as far as popularity goes, it's always been a a talented group, uh, that, that work in it, but it was always the invisible actors, right? You didn't know if you're watching a program. Uh, If you're watching an animated feature, the last thing you should be thinking about is, oh, I wonder what that gal looks like, or I wonder who gave that character their voice, because that means that they have stepped out of the the magic of the program, but just in recent memory, voice acting has become more uh, mainstream, it's become more accepted as something that is popular. So. Absolutely. Uh, with the advent of technology, and I'm a complete caveman when it comes to technology, by the way, but <laughs> there are what they call online casting sites. So I'm, I'm the old school guy. I have an agent in San Francisco. I have an agent in uh, Los Angeles. They send me auditions. If I book it, they call me, I go to the studio. That's the extent of my day. But certainly, Uh, There are opportunities for folks who are just getting into the business to work without an agent, Mm -hmm. uh, to work on non-union things, Uh, podcasts. For goodness' sakes, you guys ever heard of podcasts? Uh, um, Yeah, that' what we're doing, Barry. uh, Is that what we're doing? I don't know. Probably just a flash in the (laughs) pan. When when podcasts became a thing, it was kind of like the resurgence of radio, right? Right. So boom, there you go right there. So if you are someone who has a skill set, whether it be announcer, whether it be character, reach out to some podcasts that, that you enjoy, there you go. work for free. Right. Yeah, right. Get the experience. It's never, oh, I'm just an amateur and I just do these little things. No, Mm -hmm. every single job is a job. Every single job is experience. Every single job is something to put on your resume. That's right. So absolutely. And, you know, there are all kinds of fan groups and and conventions and, Mm -hmm. and ways to connect with people. So if you're truly interested in it and you're sitting on your butt, you have to get off your butt. There you go. Uh, plenty of opportunities to be sure. And then yeah. you build yourself a portfolio and then perhaps you take that to an agent, you know, you, know, you make a, a demo reel I'm so old, you know.
1: Old you <laughs> no, people still do
2: that. Do they but still pe- call it demo reels? I yeah, think they just yeah, call them demos, right? nah,
1: I think it's still a demo reel. Like I've caught so. myself
2: saying, did we get that on tape? Every once in a while. Um, <laughs> a just because, yeah. <laughs> Stop tape. Uh, you make a, a demo and you shop that out to uh, the right. agents. Let me just give you this one caveat. Now, some of the, on, and I have no personal knowledge about these online casting uh, sites, good, bad, or indifferent. Mm-hmm. But if you are looking for an agent, no legitimate agent will ask for any kind of fees up front. The way an agent works is they make money when you make money. So if you're working non-union work, they get 20%. If you're working uh, union work, they get 10%. And that's how they make money. So it's always good when a legitimate agent says, yeah, we'd like you to be on board because they're basically saying, we think we can make money off of you, right. which is speaking to your talents. There you go. That's best wise.
1: That's very wise. I think there's a host of talented voice actors that they have great voices and you know, but sometimes it's I call we talked to we interviewed Bill Farmer actually and, and oh, we we're talking yeah, and yeah. we were talking about actually Doz Butler and his him going through the acting classes with him. And yeah. and I said, Bill, I just feel like nowadays it's the wild west. You know, yeah. there there were sort of these, you know, mile markers that you used to right. hit and now for People like me, I'm like, what the heck do we do nowadays? It's just yeah. so it's so. I, I think that's helpful. That that's just helpful advice. Just because yeah. it is the wild west out here, you know. And
2: Dawes, God bless him. Everybody I've talked to, the man should be canonized because he was an absolute saint. Uh, he he had these. He he made these workshops, and people would come in, and it's like, hey, if you've got two dollars, put it in the coffee can. If you don't, come on in, sit down. Uh, So it wasn't about making money for him. It was about teaching, which is wonderful. And, you know, I don't know if there's a lot of people left in L.A. that would would do
1: that. No, and that ties into your circle of life. Like, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Because I think it's just a fascinating.
2: I, I, I absolutely love. so. I am so enamored with the craft that I have the exact same level of enjoyment watching someone else perform as I do performing myself.
0: Yeah,
2: it's just so amazing the uh, the process, the mm-hmm. the creative process that goes on between voice actor, writer, director, yeah. uh, and engineer. To be sure, thank God for the engineers. Um, <laughs> yeah. They make me sound so much better than I deserve. <laughs> So I will sit and watch. Uh, So to instruct, I truly enjoy doing that because, A, you're giving back. Uh, You are giving someone the possibility of achieving that goal that they have been after for forever and ever. But I just love those light bulb moments, right, where the student will say a line and then suddenly bing, the light bulb goes off in their head. Oh, I get it now. Yes. Yes. Good job. And then the email that comes from longtime students. I just booked my first video game! Exclamation point! Exclamation fantastic. point! Exclamation. That's the stuff that just makes my day. Yeah, I was. So, suggest- Brian, yeah. you
3: you are just talking about your love of not just being a voice actor, but you know, watching other voice actors do their job. And looking behind you, we see all of the people you have mm-hmm. ringing around your your studio there. And we know you're a big Disney fan. Yeah. So when you go to the parks, do you find yourself listening to all of that voiceover work? Do you have maybe one or two favorite things that stick out to you while you're at the parks?
2: So when, when I was a kid, I had uh, a camcorder, right? The big, you know, network TV thing <laughs> that you used to put on your shoulder, right? Yeah. Everybody thought you were with the press. And I was the kid that had the lens cap on. Because all I was doing is I would sit down in whatever ride vehicle I was in, and I would point the microphone towards the speaker. Okay. All I was doing was recording the audio. Uh, Paul Frees as the ghost host—it doesn't get any better than that. Okay. Uh, just so good. Pete Renade and the entire cast of Country Bears—such great stuff. It Disney is, you know, certainly a benchmark setter. Uh, right? They're not going to produce something that is substandard. It's going to be the best people. It's going to be the best writing. It's going to be the best production. It's just, it's so good. Truly. I, you know, I wish we could bring back adventure through inner space. It was so low tech, but it was so immersive. Just sitting there writing through the dark with Paul in your ear, you know, until I go on shrinking. Right. It was like, Holy <laughs> crap. We're going to die. in thing. <laughs> cause Paul's, cause Paul's really upset right now.
3: Yeah. So, as a as a fan, and as this being your profession, if you got the chance, if Disney said, "Hey, Brian, you know, we want you to come in and do any attraction you want,"
2: oh, God. what's
3: the one you would do? Mansion, mansion.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. I'm I'm a big yeah. Halloween guy. Okay. Uh, yeah. So yeah, if if they would let me just do, you know. <laughs> Just you know, a creaking of a door. I do that. I die a happy man. I'd, I'd be okay with that. I would just go outside, walk in front
1: of a bus. I'm done. Yeah. I'm that's what I, say. I say like, if I just get a in a video game, if I could just go, gorge. Right. That's it. That's it. I'm that's good. all I need. I'm good. I don't I need mean, anything like, else. Hey, I'm out. All right. Yeah. I can. I can go back yeah. to life now.
2: Yeah. That's. Uh, it's so. It's just such an iconic attraction. Uh, you know, they can never close that because there would be pitchforks and torches in front of Disney headquarters. Uh, they just couldn't do it, right? It's just so great.
3: I mean, that's a classic. That's one of the ones that I, I think everybody knows. Even my six-year-old son, right? He he loves, of course, he loves the song. But when we walk in and you hear that, you know, when hinges right. creak into, he can recite that at six years old. So that's definitely, just, you know.
2: Just those, what is it, seven notes? on the organ yeah. when you're in the foyer, right? Da, 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 da. It's like, a, it just like, it immediately puts a smile on my face, Yeah. which is kind of weird, but there, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> no judgment here.
1: Hey, we're all the same <laughs> way, Brian. <laughs> hear,
3: from us. Oh, so great.
0: Brian, let me, let me ask you uh, now, you, you did the Adam's Family 2 mm-hmm. uh, animation movie. Uh, who are some of your uh, heroes of like previous you know, cartoons, Saturday morning cartoons or modern day that, uh, have you been able to work with any, meet any, uh, so what, what, what's kind of your Mount Rushmore?
2: Yeah. As far as meeting, uh, anybody, you know, every once in a while, you'll pass by somebody in the hallway of a studio kind of a thing. Uh, however, uh, for video games and for feature films, which is what I do the most of, you are recording what they call wild you're recording wild meaning you're the only one they're recording just your characters lines the other characters in that scene are not there with you so you're recording wild if you're doing tv series animation generally that's an ensemble cast mm. so i've got uh what did we just did uh, an episode of the loud house um nickelodeon's loud house so I was actually able to be in there with two or three other actors. Oh, cool! Uh, Adam's family, completely by myself. Yeah. All of the video games, completely by myself. So it's obviously a great deal of fun to work with an ensemble because mm-hmm. you, you, know, you get to work off that energy. Yeah. <laughs> but the reason they record wild, especially for uh, the feature films is they wanna take those lines and they wanna craft them they want to edit them they want to you know put them right in just the perfect delivery so a lot of it is done by the folks who are editing so uh, uh definitely something that they uh, need to be applauded for
1: Well that's, that's interesting because I've I I know there's a lot more especially during the pandemic but I mean movies um a lot of them are in the wild more and more and more it, it seems yeah. and I know is among Voice actors, there's always a sense of loss when they talk about it. So, sure, it's like, yeah. uh yeah, I'm just by myself. Cause, you know, community and camaraderie and all that stuff, especially, mm-hmm. y- you know, being voice actors, I don't know, there's a kind of a, an odd bunch. And it's just kind of oh, nice yeah. to, to be amongst, <laughs> you know, good kind of. You're talking about around. a
2: support group, Jeff.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what it's like. Oh, good. I'm not as crazy as, as I thought I was compared to that person. You yeah. know, I'm I'm okay. I still play with action figures, but I'm I'm yeah. you know I'm childlike, but I'm not childish. Okay, right. here we go. All right, that's yeah. fine. But but um, yeah. I mean, I when you record in the wild, uh, do you sort of have this certain mindset that you go to, which is kind of like uh, a, a, a sort of a process that is, of course, is different. But how do you sort of in in your own in mind in your own imagination sort of pretend?
2: Yeah, so you sort of build this two-foot bubble around yourself. It's you, the microphone, the copy stand, and the script. And you stay within that bubble. And within that bubble, you create the environment that's going on. So even when I record with an ensemble, generally, I'm not looking at anybody. Oh, Because if I'm here and I'm, you know, getting... Uh, I'm looking at the script, getting the lines and delivering them, I am able to uh, get that scene in my head. If I look at the other actors, it's taking me out of that particular scene. Interesting. So that's what you do. You know, you'll notice a lot of folks will record with the lights off with just, you know, the, the copy stand light on. And it kind of helps uh, oh, yeah. erase all that, you know, erase the reality and you can replace your your fantasy world with it. So it makes it a little bit easier.
1: I would just have everybody cosplay.
2: You know, can no. we just don't.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's ever been done, but I'm just teasing.
2: But uh, Barry, to, to answer the, the last part of your question, as far as uh, folks that I appreciate as far as Disney goes, The folks that have those ridiculously present voices, Jeremy Irons, Tony Jay, Tony Jay had a fantastic, he was uh, Claude Frollo, uh, Judge Frollo in um, Hunchback, uh, among a thousand other things. Yeah,
1: Shere Khan, Uh, Jungle Book, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh,
2: No, that was George Saunders. Oh, okay. Okay. Was and George he, but, Saunders is another one. The, was Tony Jay,
1: what about Tailspin? I, I wonder if he was, I got to look that up.
2: Okay, just. You know what? I think you're right. Uh, in Tailspin, it was, it was Tony, Tony Jay. Jay. Okay. For the film itself, uh, the, the Jungle Book, it was George Saunders. If I ever have um, trivia, you're, you're going to be there with me. But uh, <laughs> Tony Jay had a fantastic line about being in Hunchback when they were interviewing me. He said, being in a Disney film is your bid for immortality because that, that movie's not going anywhere, right? It's a Disney movie, for God's sake. It's bulletproof. It's always going to be around. So you live uh, forever through that film. So, yeah, some fantastic folks, ridiculously talented people that I would love just to watch them work.
0: Is there um, a Disney movie where, if you could redo and be the villain, <laughs> since you like the villain, what would be your
2: top three? Man, that's, that's good. First of all, I, <laughs> I, I would have to turn it down because there would be no reason to redo it. It's like, you want me? You want me, schlubby me coming in to replace Tony Jay, to replace this person, to replace? No, absolutely not. I won't allow it. Um, because, you know, their ghosts will follow me home, uh, as they say. Um, but, you know, in a fantasy world... Wow, Shere Khan again, you know that that pride before the fall kind of character, right He just thinks he's so superior, and George Saunders did such a great job with it uh The story goes that uh Walt Disney offered George a cell from the movie, and George turned it down uh you know, I don't remember what the the exchange was, but Walt said, Hey, here's, here's Shere Khan. He goes, that's not Shere Khan. I'm Shere Khan (laughs) or something like that. So God knows it's probably a Hollywood story, but it just, it's just so much fun. Shere Khan would be great. Um, you know what, if, if they gave Chernabog a voice, that would be pretty cool. Then I wouldn't be replacing somebody. Wow. It's just like my Rolodex is spinning at like seven hundred <laughs> RPM. I can't answer it. I like I how Barry There's said three.
0: <laughs> He's like three. <laughs> there oh, yeah,
2: must like, be three. Well,
0: I, I, I'm always thinking. I'm like, I'm like, because I'm a huge uh, Disney, Disney villain guy. Yeah, I'm, I have a Facebook group that has like thousands. If
2: if you, on you named time. one, I would say, yeah, I'd love that job. Yeah, I'd love that job. Yeah, <laughs> I'd love that job. yeah,
0: I'd love that job. Yeah. Well, I I always think you know, I mean. Jeremy Irons I mean taking him out and 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 hearing the story about him singing be prepared and yeah. hearing that you know Jim Cummings had to come in and finish it up because right. of of his voice and that I just I mean I mean taking him out and 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 it's sad because all these movies that they're turning into live action, and none of, none of these people are trans transferring over to do mm-hmm. to the to the voices. And it's right. I think yeah. it's a big dis disservice because especially someone who is into voice acting and know this is my career. This is you know if if you hear Scar, you think of Jeremy Irons. You sure. Know, you hear of Ursula, you think of Pat Carroll. Yeah. You think of um, you know Tony J as. Uh, know frollo and 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 it's kind of sad how you know when when we change it over to live action that none of that is going with it so um let me ask you brian now now what what's your view on you know them taking the movies from um animated to live action and you know using different voice actors for that
2: the purpose of hollywood is to make money that's the answer (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's the reality of the situation if that's the main we, if, right Yeah, there. if it was all you know altruistic and and art for art's sake as you know the MGM motto translates to it it's a, it's unfortunate uh we are they are making a new version of it does that new version resonate better with uh, another generation then fantastic, because it's a great story. They're great characters. And do we need to do a, a version for them? I don't know. Maybe we do. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not there at the high level meetings with the really long table, you know, with the guys with the cigars, uh, talking about this stuff. Um, there is something called marquee value in the business. Uh, when you do a animated film starring that is going to be a draw for particular demographics oh i'm a huge so-and-so fan they're doing a voice i'm gonna go see it uh you may be uh aware of the blowback that happened for the mario brothers movie though before it even came out before anybody heard anything out of Chris Pratt's mouth. No, we can't do it. That's garbage. No, blah, 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 which I'm sure made it to, you know, that big long table with the guys with the cigars. Mm -hmm. So are they rethinking it? What's going to make the money? That's what it's about. We. There, there are so many wonderfully creative folks, uh, in the industry that have new and exciting and wonderful ideas. The problem is getting them produced, uh, because the studios are held by the long table, cigar guys, and they are going to make their decisions based on many different factors, money being one of the top ones.
1: And that's even just a green light. And then after that, there's so many cooks in the kitchen. Sure. You know, after that fact, and you know, sometimes that end product is not even what was initially greenlit.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, when you have an independent studio like Disney Productions back in the day, where it was one man who said yes and no, things happened. Wonderful things happened. Uh, Yes. Did Disney have to make money? Of course they did, you know, because stuff costs money. We have to pay the rent on the studio. Uh, but, uh, definitely wonderful things happened. And it, it went much smoother than, uh, a committee process to be sure. Don't tell production. I said that.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> secret safe with us.
0: When, when when they make the live action home on the range, I'll be happy. So. <laughs> but until then, um, all right, we're going to, Brian, we definitely need to have you come back and and talk some more with us because that would be been, wonderful. This has been very good. Yeah. Um, and we want to just thank you for coming on.
1: But I'm curious, are you, you're doing coaching still, right? Are you? Oh doing yeah. All? Okay. Yeah. So, as someone a hypothetical who's would love to sort of dive into that world, uh-huh. like, is there? How would one get in contact with you?
2: Uh- Currently, uh, I'm being booked for that through the GVAA, the Global Voice Acting Academy. Uh, They are on the interweb, um, and uh, you can just look under coaching, and my smiling face will be one of the many, many talented people that are there. Yeah. All right
0: it'll be the black and white one that you see everywhere
2: <laughs> no doubt with don't. the rotary I'm phone the, like funny is, <laughs> the funny thing is the funny thing is they just sent out some information they said hey we're updating our coaches site uh so if you could send us some new pictures and in big letters it says Color pictures. And I was the only black and white photo on there. So you know that was directed toward me. You can get so, in touch
1: with Brian's pager at 555. Five, five, Send a telegram. Yeah. So, the guy so on the Brian's, bicycle so, will come over. Yeah.
0: So Brian's looking for his uh, Polaroid so he can snap the picture so it comes out on the bottom. So he has
2: yep, uh, That's me. All right. Yes. I love, it. Yes, I love definitely,
0: it. Definitely, Brian, we need to have you back on. It would uh, be and fun. We'll go ahead and wrap up this episode we want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of sharing the magic as always please hit that follow button to stay up to date with the latest episodes you can find us on all social media on facebook instagram and tiktok under that great little name called sharing the magic pod and until next time keep sharing the magic